Hey, welcome today. Thanks for being with us. We're excited as we're in this series called The Fixer Upper. And, and uh, I really, Brett, Pastor Brad and I, we've been talking and praying about this, but this doesn't happen to me a lot, but I want all the men in the church to stand up real quick. And I'm doing this because we're in this series called The Fixer Upper. And today I want to talk to you about the essentials of a true renovation. And in October, I, I had a dream and, and I kind of let it go. And then I had it again. And then I had it the third time and I shared with Pastor Brad and it was about our men here at TC. And God spoke with me to share a specific word with our men and we've been waiting for the right time. So next Saturday morning at 1030 here in the sanctuary, I'm asking every man that calls Transformation Church your home church to do everything you can to be here. And wives, help me out. Get your husbands here because how many believes that this is year that God wants to do something supernatural in the lives of men that really want to go after God and be a man of God. And so, men, I'm asking you to put on your calendar. You should have already received an email from me. If you did not, please call our office because we don't have your correct information email-wise. And I hope to see you here next Saturday morning at 1030. We're going to have coffee and donuts waiting on you. Those are veggie donuts for those on the Daniel Fast, all right? And, uh, and we're going to have a great, we're going to have about an hour and a half together. And we're going to let you go home around noon, okay? God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. Wives, make sure your men are here. All right, let's go right into the text as we're in this series called The Fixer Upper. And how many appreciate the word that Pastor Brad's been bringing on this Fixer Upper? It's been powerful, been powerful, powerful word. Let's go to our text, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. And it says, when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, here's what I want you to see. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. How many had one of those? How many's glad it's former, not present? He, he said, you were taught, you were instructed about the way you were living before to put off your old self. There were some things we had to let go of, and that's why the Bible said in Hebrews, lay aside the sin and waste that so easily beset us. There's some things that we had to put off in our old life and to put on yourself, which is being corrupted by this deceitful desires. Then he said to be made new in the attitude of your minds. He said, you got to put off some of this old stuff in your old life. And how am I going to be made new? So if I'm getting rid of the old, how do I become someone new? He said, by being renewed in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self. Come on, how many's glad you got a new self? The old is gone, the Bible said, and the new has come created. And I love this, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That God's saying that he wants us to take this old man, that when we hear the truth of God's word, when we hear what God is teaching us, and that's what Pastor Brad's been bringing us in this Fixer Up series, how, how to become more like Christ, how to build our relationship with Jesus, how to get free from all of that stuff, how to become someone new. Jesus said when you, you're taught these things, he said, you're going to lay aside the old and you're going to take on the new. You're going to have a new mind. You're going to think differently about God. God, about yourself, and about why you're here on this earth. And he said, the old is gone and the new has come. Get ready for a new life and a new season in it. Amen. And so I want to talk to you today on the essentials. Say essentials. The essentials to a successful renovation. Anyone besides me tried to build something without the directions? Come on, men. Be honest. Come on, guys. You know, the ladies get them out, and I mean, they just color them and highlight them, and we're going to follow to the T. Us men, we look at the picture. I got this, honey, and then a two hours later, there's three parts still there, and it ain't working. And then we're going, I don't know who wrote these directions, but they didn't know what they were talking about. You didn't read them. And it's the same way in our life that we, we go after God and we, we try to renovate and we try to be that Christian. And then three years later, three months later, whatever, down the road, we're going, this isn't working. Something's missing. Well, we didn't stay with the directions. We just looked at the picture. And, and God's trying through this Fixer Upper series to give us some instructions so that we're following the directions so that when we get done, the house is built right. Amen. And so three essentials. Very quickly, let's get into them. Number one is the foundation. The foundation, the most important part of your home is the part you and I don't see. It's hidden. It's underneath everything that seems more important to us. 
Things like the wood flooring, the tile, the carpet, the paint, the furniture, the stove, the fridge, the big screen TV, that fancy sound system, the nice lawn, all those things that we put so much emphasis on because that's what makes us feel proud and, and, and we should about our home. But the foundation is the most important part of our home and it's the most important part of our life, but we never think about it unless something goes wrong with it. You ever watch the fixer upper and watch those shows and, and then they buy a house and all of a sudden they have to come with the bad news and go, mm, I hate to tell you this, but we found a crack in the foundation. Foundation wasn't right and that has to be fixed before we can go any further. So our time frame now has been extended. And, and by the way, this is $12,000 more. And can I tell you, if we do not understand the importance of our foundation now, it will become a major issue later and most often comes with a great expense to it. Maybe our personal life, maybe our Christian life, maybe our family, maybe our children, maybe our health. But we've got to come and understand that if you're going to have true renovation of your life, it starts in the foundation. You see, the foundation of our faith must be Christ himself. As followers of Jesus, the most important part of our Christian life is not church attendance, though we, you, you ought to want to be in the house of God every Sunday. Not today where the average regular church attender goes once a month. No, if I'm hungry for God and I'm part of a family, I want to be with the family and I want to worship God together with them. Come on, somebody. And, and, but that's not the foundation of my faith. It's not my giving, though that's important. It's not my serving, though that's important. That's the paint, the wallpaper, the carpet. But the foundation of your faith, the foundation of your Christianity must be a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and a daily communion with him through prayer and the word and worship. That Jesus is the focus, the foundation of my house that I now can build upon. Ephesians, the apostle Paul said, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. You're part of a family, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you who are being built together, the body, the family, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That God's saying we come together as a body of people and we make Christ the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith. And when we do that, all of a sudden we build this, this building called the church, the body of believers that we're going to glorify Christ in it. We come and dwell together in his presence. But the foundation of your faith cannot even be Transformation Church. It can't be Pastor Dan or Pastor Brad. It can't even be your service. It can't be your giving. It has to be a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So the question is, do I only talk to him when there's a crack? Or do I talk to him daily so there's no crack that ever appears? Make him the foundation of your faith. Number two is our structure. Once we know that our foundation is secure, then you begin to look at the structure. Remember, we're talking about renovation. We're not talking about building something from scratch. We're talking about taking something. You see, there's two words used, restoration, renovation. Restoration is taking something and taking it back to its prior place and value. Renovation is taking something and now making it of more value than it was in its original condition. How many is glad that Jesus isn't just in the restoration business, he's in the renovation business? He did not want to just take you back to where you were. He wants to make you more valuable than you've ever been in your life. He wants to renovate you. To do that, I must first know that my foundation in Christ is solid. Number two is the structure. Second Timothy, Paul said, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. What does that mean? That, that the Lord knows who is his and everyone who confesses, they've got the foundation right. Jesus is the Lord of their life. They must turn away from wickedness. You've got to get rid of some walls that don't belong there. 
I've got to turn away. I've got to remove some things. That was our original text. You see, once your foundation is settled, you've got to go in now and go, what does this house what do I want it to look like now? What, what do I want? I, I don't want all these little rooms. I want an open space. I want big. I want ceiling. I want air. And so I've got to figure out what do I have to tear out in order to make this appear the way that I want it to be. And we have to do that in our life. When we come to Jesus, what walls need to come out? Everyone look at me for this one statement. You're building a house not only for you, you're building a house for you and God to dwell in together. And so I have to structure it. I have to look at the structure and go, does God want to live in that? Do I need to move a wall of a little pornography? Do I need to remove a wall of just a little bar scene on Friday nights? Well, how quiet it is in here. Because I'm not built. Remember, my foundation is built solely on my relationship with Christ. So I have to build the structure of the house to want Christ to remain living there. Good preaching. Thank you. The amens are really weak right now. But the preaching's really good. Because your structure determines on how you get to live there. But it more determines whether Christ gets to live there or not. And so we come and look at our structure. Matthew says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the Bible tells us about the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock and, and the man who built his house on the sand. The winds and the waves came and they washed that house away. But the house that was built on a rock, it withstood all the temptations and the trials of life. And I'm here to tell you today that if you want 218 to be that year that Pastor Brad just talked about, a year of celebration, you got to tear out some walls and redo the structure, get the foundation solid, but then think and intentionally tear out walls and rebuild walls that you know are building a house that Jesus would want to live in with you. Make 218 the year of challenge. Make 218 God's way, not my way or your way. This is the year to say no to things you continue to allow to control and destroy your life. This is a year to say no to things that you know didn't belong in your house. You know that they're tearing you down. They're bringing mold and mildew in your spiritual life. You know that they don't belong there, but you continue to say yes to them. Can I challenge you and speak prophetically over you today that if you'll let 218 be the year that you say no, to the destructive things that you continue to say yes to. God's going to build a house that you're going to wake up every morning and say this is a day that God has made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it that you realize that you're making the decisions that's structuring your house that God's going to live in there and it's going to be a year of celebration, not warfare and conflict in your life this year. What does that mean? People you run with, places you go. Activities you involve yourself in change when you engage the essentials of a renovated life. I need to say that again. Some of you need to get the crazies out of your life. And most often, they're relatives. But you need to identify the people that Satan has brought in your life to tear you down from the people that God's brought in your life for you to lead to him. And there's a big difference. And I'm not saying hate anybody. I'm saying you need to be careful who you're allowing to speak into your ear and get that close to your soul. Structure. Bring structure into your life. Number three is design. Once I have the foundation laid in Christ as the foundation, the cornerstone of my life, there's daily prayer, worship, the word in my life. I'm seeking God out every day. Now I'm structuring my life. I'm getting walls tore out that need to be gone. I'm putting new walls in that's going to make Jesus want to live here. Then he lets you and I design it. The design is that area that we, we get to go and pick the flooring and what's the color we want it to be. How many glad God lets you have a little say-so in what your house looks like? Come on, somebody. That's why he gave us a woman. Because we don't care. Camo that baby out. I tried that camo recliner. It didn't go well. It, it didn't go well. 
okay? I even tried to put the deer head over the fireplace, and that didn't last 30 seconds when she walked in the front door. Get that out of my living room right now. But we get to design it. You get to focus on the colors, the wallpaper, the stove, the fridge, the big screen, the sound system. Design it the way that you want it to look like you and Christ together. And here's what I want you to see. The psalmist said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that fully well. That God's saying there's a design that I want to make because you see, the house isn't built just to be a house. The house is built for someone to live in it. And that's where the design takes place in the spiritual realm that God's saying, let's work together on this foundation. I'm the foundation. Let's get rid of some bad walls and get rid of the mold and the mildew and let's structure this thing correctly. But then the design isn't even about the house. It's about the resident of the house. That God's saying that you and I are fearfully and we're wonderfully made, that we know his works are marvelous. Paul put it like this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as through God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That God made you and I fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no accident in this sanctuary today. God formed you. The Bible said he knew your substance before you were created in the womb of your mother. He went on to say that I've seen all of your days. I've seen every day of your life before one of them even came to you. God created you with purpose and destiny. He created you and I with a reason of being here. And God's saying, if you're going to make 218 a year celebration, if you're going to make 218 a year that you're going to see the blessing, favor of God pour into your life in excess and abundance, he said, then you've got to realize today that I want to design, I want you to intentionally build this house, your temple that Jesus is going to dwell in. I want you to design it. I want you to realize, structure it, get the foundation right because I'm going to use you this year to be an ambassador, representative, a higher power. How many knows the world around you and I are hurting? They're broken. They're wounded. They're lost. They're empty. They're searching. And God's saying, I want to build a house that's going to attract other people. They're going to stop by. They're going to call you the model house of the subdivision. Because there's something different about your house than any other house on the block. People drive by, they slow down at your house because there's something about the foundation, the structure, and the design that's going to make other people want to stop and ask some questions. That's why Jesus said, we're like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Therefore, let your light shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God's challenging TC this year, this month. Let's get ready for a year and let's bring structure, let's bring foundation and let's bring design and let's let Jesus be glorified not only on a Sunday morning experience, but let's let Jesus be glorified through us all week long. Come on, somebody. You see, in 1955, for the first time, Fortune 500 put out publicly a list of the top 500 companies in America. First time ever, 1955, Fortune 500 companies, top 500 companies in America, here they are. Do you know today that only 12%, 60 of those top 500 companies either exist, have not filed bankruptcy, or are still in the top 500? Only 60 today are still in the top 500. The question arises, why? Income streams have changed. Technology has changed. The way of doing business has changed with the media, social society, all that's going on. And the fact is that 88% of the top companies in America did not understand or they simply refused to change to be effective in the culture of their society. They refused to do it. Like, this is the way we do business and we ain't changing to make nobody happy. Well, there went your customer. Well, I'm tech stupid, going to stay tech stupid, so you're broke. And they refuse to change. And here's what I want you to see. The top 500 companies had a product that was good. It was much needed by society. It had a clear mission at that time, 
and, and they had an idea of how to get it out into the public. But the reason that 440 of the original Fortune 500 companies are either bankrupt or no longer in the top 500 is not that their product ever went bad. The reason that they're no longer in existence was not that their product is not still needed today. The reason they're no longer in the top 500 is they forgot their vision for the mission of what they were trying to bring to the American public. The failure came in a loss of vision. They were unwilling to see the future. They were unwilling to look past today. They lost their vision. They were unwilling to change with the culture to continue to be relevant and effective in reaching the American public. TC's been on a journey for many, many years. We started Easter Sunday in 1998 in my living room. With It's been debatable. Some said 13, some said 17. I have no clue, but there was somewhere in the teens. We started in my living room. We weren't a church. We weren't a church for around eight or 10 years. We were just a fellowship. I had gone through a very difficult time in my life. I was on three heart monitors, 24 hours a day, 38 years old. And we had a group of people that came to my house saying, we want you to still pastor. I said, I can't pastor you right now. I kind of need some healing myself. And they said, well, we're going to come back next Sunday. And they did. And they said, we don't want you. And I said, if you die, I'm not burying you. If you get sick, I can't visit you. I said, just come on. We'll serve God. I'll teach for 10 minutes on Sunday morning. Y'all go home. We didn't take an offering. We weren't a church. We just gathered. And, and they started bringing friends. And we outgrew my living room. We went to the Shriners down on Nine Mile Road. And we outgrew that. So we went to Pine Forest High School. And we were there for several years. And, and then the county said no more churches can meet in school. So we moved to uh, my office um, over on Airport Boulevard when I had financial service company, and we met in there. We had our nursery in the building, in the room where we had our Coke machines and snack machine. We just put up baby beds, and people kept coming. And, and uh, then we went to Creighton Road where we rented a, a church, little church building over there. Then God provided the building on Fairfield for us, and we moved over there, and, and here we are today in a, in a new facility. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. But the foundation, I want to go back to the renovation. The foundation of Transformation Church has always been very strong. We've always had a strong foundation. We knew that our focus was a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We've never preached anything other than that. There must be an encounter with God and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ if you're going to be successful in your Christian journey. We've always stressed the foundation our structure has always been one of a multicultural, multisocial, multigenerational church, and that's one of the key things that makes me love my church family as much, if not more than anything else, is that it doesn't all look or act like me, because that gets boring really fast, and there's nothing more dangerous than to have people around you that only think like you and see like you. And so our structure, our foundation has been a personal relationship with Jesus. Our structure has been one that's multicultural, social, generational. Our mission has been very, very clear. It's never been one wavering. It's never changed from the day we met in my living room. Our mission has been to go reach as many unchurched and lost people that we can get our hands on. As long as there's one more person in Pensacola that doesn't know Jesus, we have a reason to get up and wake up in the morning and go live life and be a voice and be that ambassador that we just talked to you about. Our mission has been very clear in this church. We're a church to reach the lost, the hurting, and the broken and bring them into a place of healing, restoration, and renovation in Christ. That's never changed. A church family that loves God, loves the lost, and loves each other. Our design has been one of anointed worship, teaching and preaching of God's word. We were rolling over on Fairfield. We were doing good. Church was growing. And then all of a sudden, we had gone to two services, and we were happy and going full blast. And then this little storm blew through called Ivan. Anybody here during Ivan? It destroyed all three of our buildings. I remember us having church. I was preaching in the middle, and it was raining, and water was just pouring down. Anybody remember those Sundays? Parking lot church. We had church in the parking lot because we couldn't use the buildings. They were unsafe. And we didn't have insurance to cover that, though we thought we did. But then the insurance company came in, and God gave us favor, and they covered the whole thing. 
and rebuilt those buildings for us. Yeah, hallelujah. You see, we, we lost over a third of our church during that time because they have loss of jobs and their homes were destroyed. And, and man, the breath was knocked out of us. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it, as a pastor, it became overwhelming when you got so many families in one day in a crisis. It, it became overwhelming because I carry this family on my shoulders and in my heart. And to watch families lose everything with no insurance, and it was devastating. Still today, if I think about it, I do this because I remember those meetings in living rooms where water was two foot high in their houses and, and devastation and hopelessness. But I remember those times, and, and, and it was a very, very difficult time. And then during that time, my son Tommy was in a motorcycle accident and given zero chance to live for 24 days. And so we're trying to take care of families, and now I'm trying to keep my son alive. And then right after my son had his accident in 2010, my father uh, he passed away in 2011 of a brain disease. And, and then right after my dad died, they diagnosed my brother with the same brain disease that took my father. He lives here in Pensacola or did. He passed away in 2016 after many years of suffering. And, and it was just a very, very difficult time. And I found myself extremely tired. I found myself spiritually, emotionally, and physically exhausted. And I preached on Sunday morning, and we had church but we really weren't going anywhere as a church. And that's not a negative. It was on me. We, we were having good church. But I was tired. I was exhausted and then trying to fulfill the role of a pastor. And, and in 2013, I received a phone call from my great friend Robert Pooley over in Gulf Breeze. And he said, Dan, there's an art conference in Jacksonville, and I want you and Miss Kathy to go. And I said, man, I can't, I can't go. He said, you need to go. And I told Kathy, and we said, well, the church said they would pay for it, so it's three days away. Let's go. And uh, we went. And I'm going to tell you, the first night Chris Hodges got up and he spoke out of the book he had just written called Breathe, Fresh Air. And it was a message straight to my heart on Breathe Again. If you remember at that time, I came home and I preached a series called Breathe Again. And it's because God spoke through Chris Hodges into my heart. And then they announced, if you're a pastor here and you're struggling, you're hurting, we have professional counselors in rooms with no, no, nobody will know you're in there. And I, I went in to one of those and I met with him privately and I said, man, I am hurting. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I have a great church of people. There's no problems in my church, no problems in my family. I'm just exhausted. And, and he began to pray with me and he began to share some things with me and, and we talked back and forth. And he shared with me and he said, I just want you to listen because God's going to speak to you in these next two days. He's going to give you a word. It's going to come through a song, a sermon, a dream, something. And I'm not a big dreamer. That's why I'm calling you men together because only three times in my life have I had dreams like I've had and all three have proven to be factual. And that's why I must meet with you because I know it's God. And I had a dream that night. I, was, I woke up and I saw Transformation Church, and I thought, what does that mean? And I thought, maybe that's one of the churches we're going to start. So I went back to sleep, and I woke up again in Transformation Church in front of me, and I knew that God was speaking to me. So I got up, and I looked up the Word. I Googled it. Thank God for Google, right? And Transformation, immediate change of appearance, form, and character. And this was like 4.30 in the morning. And God said, go home, change the name of Hearts of Love to Transformation Church. And get ready for a new season of ministry and don't be afraid of change. I text Brad at 4.30 in the morning. I said, we're changing the name of the church. He never answers a phone at 4.30 in the morning. He's a musician. They don't know there's a live world at 4.30 in the morning, musicians. He responded right back to me. Dad, you have no clue. I've been praying and asking God. Because you're asking me to market Hearts of Love, and I can't do it. It's impossible. But we, and I mean, in 10 minutes, he had our logo and everything shooting back to me. And man, just like a fire lit up inside of me, this was God. And to make a long story short, four and a half years ago, we changed from Hearts of Love. We made that switch. We took that step of faith, and we changed from Hearts of Love to Transformation Church. And I want to say... It has been four and a half of the greatest years of ministry in my life. Because I pastored you for 16 years with mission, but I really didn't have clear vision. I'm just confessing. I'm not up here and I feel sorry, poor Pastor Dad. It's a fact. We met, but I really didn't put a path in front of us of 
Here, I knew where we were going. We're going to reach the lost, but I didn't put a path on how we're going to get there. And so we met. We had good church, and it's always been a strong, loving family. But we have a mission to reach the unchurched and the unsaved. We have a vision to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. But in the last four and a half years, we were able to establish a vision that would now give direction to the mission. That's called Know God. Sunday morning experience, bring your unsaved family and friends because we're going to bring a service that's going to point them to Christ and we're going to see last year 207 people filled out their connect card said I gave my heart to Jesus in a Sunday service. So the mission's very much alive but now we have a vision that's going to direct the mission. No God. Number two is find freedom. That's through our small groups and building relationships. And we're getting ready to start a whole new freedom ministry here in the church. Number three is to discover your purpose and that's our growth track and we help you identify your passions and your gifts. And and now number four is make a difference. You can serve on the dream team and become a part of something. We have a, a vision. You're getting where I'm going now. There's a clear vision on how to fulfill the mission that's always been here. But I watched a football game the other day. So Alabama and Georgia, I think it was. No. We rebuke that in Jesus' name. We're in Florida. We're in Florida. Go Gators. Go Knowles. Boo, Alabama and Georgia. Come on, Florida. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But something really neat. Come on, back to me. Back to me. But there was an amazing sophomore quarterback that quarterback for Alabama called Hurts. He had only lost one game in two years that he stood behind a center. But this day, he had a bad day. It wasn't going the way that he anticipated. National championship game, the game of his life. He's having a bad day, and the coach pulled him and put in a freshman quarterback who took them to the win in overtime. And I want to just say to you today that as Transformation Church... We're in that national championship right now. There's never been an hour more important for the church of Jesus Christ than today. We're in that game, and it's time for a new quarterback to take realm of this church and take us into that win. He is better. He's more qualified. And he is in a stronger season in his life to lead this church than I am in the season of my life to lead it where God wants to take it right now. I don't want to become one of those 88% of the top 500 that drop off. I want to stay in it. And today, we're going to bring a new quarterback in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be here. I'm moving up into a new role as the overseer of this ministry. I'm moving into a realm of the freedom ministry. Kathy and I both, we're going to be pouring our life into the men and the women of this church and freedom and bringing freedom in your life through small groups and being available. I was driving to Tallahassee. I met with Dr. Henry Cloud months ago. I was invited with 16 pastors. How I got in that list, I have no idea. But he shared one of the most amazing messages, and he's the top therapist, counselor for Focus on the Family, the guy so full of wisdom. And he shared a word into my heart that confirmed what I was telling you today. It let me know we're on the right track. And I came back and I told my staff, I said, it's like this. When you're, a, when you're going in for a physical, you don't mind a young intern. But when you're having open heart surgery, you kind of want the old gray hair guy that's done a few of them to cut you open. Come on, somebody. And so we're going to bring the young guy back up. And he's now, as of today, I'm very honored. I'm very excited. I mean this, to announce to you that the new lead pastor of Transformation Church as of today happens to be my son, but it's Pastor Brad Livingston.
picture. She could not be here today. Obviously, if you're a guest, Pastor Brad's son, my grandson, is very, very sick. And Ashley couldn't be here. She's at home with little Jabin. I think we have a picture, but that's your new first family, the new lead pastors of Transformation Church. Now, I want to say this, and I'm going to let Pastor Brad... He's the new quarterback. I've been throwing passes and he's been catching them for 20 years. And now I'm gonna run very short distances, <laughs> but I'm gonna let him throw me some passes now. And I wanna say this, that I'm moving up as overseer. Pastor Brad and Ashley are moving up to lead pastors. Brother Justin Oswald, who's been our staff coordinator, is moving up into the executive pastor role. Everybody's just moving up and it's gonna bring a greater covering to the church here. My mentor, and I know our time, we're taking a little bit longer than we normally do, but our, my mentor, Burke Linden, and said something at a minister's conference and he is, there was God, the Apostle Paul, and Burke Clendenin in my book, okay? And, uh, but he said something that I've never forgotten. They asked him, they said, Pastor Clendenin, what would you do in your ministry different you can be seated, by the way. What would you do different that would make you feel more successful? And he immediately responded. He said, I would have spent more time with the children when they were children rather than wait till they became young adults to pour my life into them. But I never forgot that. That's why you see me with candy and popsicle, not popsicle, lollipops and stuff with your children after church because I want them to know that their pastor is touchable and reachable. In between services, I go back to the children back there and as soon as we greet you, because I want the children, I love that. And today I can stand here and tell you, he said this, he said, your church is never a mature church until the children in your ministry grow up under your ministry and they become the leaders in the house. We are that church today. People you saw on this stage, you see up here Sunday after Sunday, many of them used to hug me on my knee as children, they've grown up under our ministry. My son being one, obviously. Kyle and Heather, who are on our staff, and, and Tremaine, who work all, and Jasmine. So many of the leaders in this church today used to be the children under our ministry, and today they're carrying the vision on to the next generation. And that's a healthy church. There's two families in this church that I've pastored four generations. Four generations of their family attends this church. How many pastors get to say that? And so the church is healthy. And I've always said, I want to hand it to Pastor Brad when I wanted to keep it the most. Because that means it's the healthiest that it's ever been. And right now, Transformation Church is at the healthiest place we've ever been. And Kathy and I are honored. And I just want to say this. She's never received the credit that she deserves. Ever. like to be up front. I tried to get her up front and it almost cost me my marriage. <laughs> she's always been behind the scene, but she's the rock of our house. She's the strength of our family. You'll find the same with Ashley. You're not going to see her up here on this stage. It'll cost him his marriage. Don't do that. But they're the rock of our family. They're the rock of our house. And I thank you for honoring my wife through these years. And we're not going anywhere. As I said, we're staying. But I've been in the staff meetings. You may not know this, and, and Pastor Brad and I, we're going to share next week together where are we going as a church now. Let me just go ahead and remove any fear. Nothing changes because he's been pastoring for the last year. We just didn't tell you. He didn't preach when I asked him last year. I preached when he asked me. He picked the series and where we're going. He's met with our staff the whole year. I only went back to our staff meetings two weeks ago. This transition's been taking place for two years. It didn't just pop up. 
So nothing's going to change. We've already restructured. It already looks like what it's going to look like, but now we have a visionary. And God spoke to me March of last year, leaving a Sunday morning service. God spoke to me and said, your, your thumb is no longer on the vision of this house. I've moved it to Pastor Brad. And I met with him immediately. And I said, get ready because your season's near. And so we've been working on this for almost two years, 23 months we've been working on this right now. So don't freak out and go, oh God, what's gonna happen? Nothing. We've just got clear visionaries in the house. And this guy's a visionary. He's a visionary, he's a dreamer. And not only him, but the staff. I, I left the staff the last two, month, last two weeks going, thank you God. There's no limit to where this church can go with the visionaries and the dreamers that we have running this church right now. It's in good hands. Will you welcome one more time? I know we've gone over, so I apologize, but this is a big day for Transformation Church. We are in the Super Bowl, and we are going to win. Hallelujah. That's the breath. First, uh, let me say just thank you. Let me say thank you. We talked, I talked to a group of friends the other day. and Most of them are ministers and pastors. And we were talking about seminary. We were talking about Bible college and how I felt like mine was the biggest waste of time in my life. Um, I said, because I don't feel like I learned anything. I felt like I should have been teaching those classes because I didn't wait till I was 25 to learn how to preach. I learned it at my kitchen table under someone that I respect far more than any of those professors. I didn't learn how to lead groups and lead a staff and, and love people in a classroom. I just watched it every day from who I believe to be the greatest leader and the best pastor who tried to ship me away for years and send me to colleges and have me sit under other pastors around the nation. And I said, absolutely not. God chose you to lead me. And so today, I thank all of you for putting your hands together, but we would be doing ourselves in this church an injustice if we did not honor Pastor Dan Livingston right now in this moment. We sat under a teaching with Joel, I mean, uh, sorry, Jonathan and Larry Stockstill a little while back, and I know we're almost done. We're gonna, gonna let you guys go here in just a minute. We sat under a, so you can sit down again. I know you guys are just, thank you. You can eat better at lunch. Uh, we sat under a teaching with Jonathan and Larry Stockstill a couple years ago. Matter of fact, right, we were getting ready for this transition. And I've watched my dad pastor a church for 30 years. He's never not been a pastor. He's never not been my pastor. And uh, we knew that something was going on and we couldn't put our thumb on it, man. We just, um, we just knew that in staff meetings, things were getting a little more and more um, abrasive between the two of us because I really felt like the Lord was telling me that we're supposed to be going this way, but in my honor and in, 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 sorry, in pastor's honor and and me being submissive, I kept trying to bring that to him, and he couldn't, he, it's not that he didn't want to, it's just that he couldn't see it. And I listened to Jonathan and Larry, and they talked about, they went. They did a father-son transition just a couple years ago, and they said, they asked uh, Pastor Larry and Pastor Jonathan what happened. 
and they, they gave an analogy and I felt like it was the best analogy I've ever heard in regards to ministries. They said, when you're young, you're bringing Johnny to soccer practice and you're taking Susie to cheerleading and you're, you're picking them up from school, but then you're taking them to their clubs and they're taking them to their events and they're doing these things and you're driving them around and you're driving. And there's a tempo to life when you're young and when you have kids and, and when you're trying to thrive in your career and you're trying, there's a tempo to life that's fast, it's moving, it's fast, it's moving. Um, and they said, your ministry reflects that. And they said, but as your kids grow up and they move out and life starts to slow down, in your older age as ministers, your ministry starts to reflect that. And uh, there certain ha certainly hasn't been, a, I would say, a loss of tempo at Transformation Church. But what I would say is that pastor in this season has stepped into a role where we're very excited. We're going to be talking about it more next week. But I'm excited to see him take more time not to try to create tempo, but to try to pour into people. And that is what he does better than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life, is that he leads and loves people. And so again, like he said, he's not going anywhere. Um, you, do not have to, you do not have to think less of pastor to celebrate this moment. I want to make sure you know that. You do not have to, if you wanted to clap today and you were hesitant, you're not thinking less of him to celebrate this moment. You are honoring him and legacy and generations of what we believe God's going to do an amazing thing at Transformation Church. I thank every single one of you so much, and I wish I could put into words what it means to me and my family to know that uh, you guys love us, and I wish I could tell you guys how much we love you, but we're so honored and, and so grateful for each one of you today, and so we love you. Um, thank you. I don't even know anything anymore. Um, Next Sunday night, uh, we have a number of pastors that want to celebrate with us, a number of churches that want to celebrate with us. And so next Sunday night at 4 o'clock, January 28th, 4 o'clock, we want to invite every single one of you for our official transition service where other churches are going to be coming, other pastors are going to be coming. We're going to have a celebration, knockdown, drag out, party church service next Sunday at 4 p.m. Um, right here in the sanctuary. And we want to invite every single one of you to come and celebrate and hear some amazing things about Pastor Dan, myself, uh, our, and then man, we're going to worship together and we're just going to pray and get ready for the next season that God has for us here at Transformation Church. Um, are you guys ready for that? All right. All right. Listen, I uh, we would be doing ourselves an injustice not to do this. And so the beauty of what we do up here on the stage and the beauty of who we are as a church is that we haven't lost focus and we're not going to lose it today. Some of you may have come and this ain't quite what you came for probably, but it's what you got. So tough, but here's what I know. There's nothing that communicates the gospel more than generational legacy carrying it. Paul had Timothy, Elijah had Elisha. And that when people take over, that means the mission continues. And here's our mission. Here's our desire. Here's what we want to see is we want to see people know God and find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. We want to see you transformed. And, and here's what I want to invite you to do because we didn't get a chance to do it today. If you're sitting in your seat right now and you don't know Jesus today and God is not at the center of your heart, but you say, despite all the craziness going on, what we know is that God wants to do something miraculous in your life. And he wants to transform those that are lost. And so, if you want to know Jesus today, if you want to give your heart to him, here's what we want to do. We want to invite all of you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus today, but you want to, you don't know who he is, you say, I, I want that foundation of my life fixed. I've been trying to fix things on my own. I've been trying to help myself. I've been trying to read the right books and listen to the right podcasts and know the right people and avoid the wrong things, but I just don't know Jesus. And the only thing that's gonna help me today is to have Jesus transform my heart and my life. And if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna know him. I want him to know me. And, and I wanna know that when I die, heaven is my destination. 
and I want to give myself to him. I want him to transform my heart and my life. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. We want to pray for you today, and we want to know that you're saved. So if that's you today, I want Jesus to take control of my life. Will you just raise your hand right where you sit? I want Jesus to take control. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are already going. We're not going to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are already going up. I want Jesus to take control, Pastor. I want to know that I want to know that he's in control of my life, and I, I want him to pour out his love on me. I want him to reconcile my sin. I don't want to have to pay for this anymore, but I want him to take control. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Not going to embarrass you. Here's what we want to do, church. And even if you're watching us on live stream, you say, I want to be saved today. We want to pray a prayer together. And here's the deal. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer acknowledges that you're putting your faith in Jesus, and that faith is what makes you saved. And so we're going to invite you. If you raised your hand or you didn't, but you want to be saved today, you want to put your faith in Christ, you want, to, you want him to take control, we want you to repeat this prayer after me, and the whole church is going to pray it with you so you're not alone. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure make me whole. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose three days later through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection. I can have eternal life. I want to follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that. Amazing. Awesome. 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 We celebrate with you. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to, if you prayed that prayer, listen, we want to, we, we want to, and we need to know who you are. And the seat back in front of you is a connect card. Fill it out. Drop it in the offering bucket for us. All right. That is so important. We want to give you some next steps on how you can continue this journey. Today's not the end. Today's the beginning of what God is going to do in your life. If you don't want to do it on the card, take out your smartphone. Go to mytc.life and fill out the connect card there. And you can make sure that you take care of all those details. But we celebrate. TC, put your hands together one more time for all those that pray that.